This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Bone chilling temperatures and snow in the forecast on the south coast. A clear reminder, it's still winter. And while other parts of the province and country may laugh at the lower mainland, the sub-zero temperatures are the coldest we've seen so far. Grace Key has more on the cold snap and how long it's expected to last. It's been so cold in Kamloops that the sprinklers near the front door at Staples froze, breaking the main water line and sending water pouring out the door. With temperatures below minus 20, restoration crews have been busy. We started at 5 o'clock this morning. Um, So since the freeze happened, I think we've had, um, because I don't handle the coals myself, I think we've had in the region of about 20 to 25. People in Prince George woke up to minus 33 degrees and a little light snow before the sun came out. It was a beautiful day in Williams Lake. The sun was a welcome sight for residents who seem to have no complaints about their freezing temperatures. Even though it's minus 20, it feels warm because it was about minus 28 last night. Uh, It's not that cold outside. Oh, the weather's perfect up here. It's been super nice. Not as cold in the lower mainland, but enough to send ice floating down the Fraser River. Despite the chilling temperatures, people hopping onto the ferry to Barnston Island marveled at the sight. I'm visiting from Vietnam. Uh-huh. It's so hot there, and it's so like two extremes, right? <laughs> so, you don't get ice in the rivers in Vietnam? No, no, we, we have trash. <laughs> And cities are bracing for more snow that's expected to hit Thursday night. So we have crews uh, going 24 hours uh, for um, throughout the week because we are expecting these ice concerns. It looks like we could get hit with three more blasts of cold over the next several days. And though we may think people in the interior have it worse, they'll take their winters over ours any day. At minus six at the coast is cold and wet and miserable. Up here, the sun shines, minus 30 isn't bad. We've got a dry cold, they got a wet cold. Uh, I like the dry cold, though. <laughs> Grace Key, Global News. All cold to me. Uh, well, cold is one thing. Snow is another. Meteorolo- meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with an updated look at that chance of snow. Christy? Thanks, Sophia. So snow is going to move down from the north tomorrow, likely targeting the south coast later in the day. But it's really not tomorrow that's the main snow event. We'll see a few flurries in Metro Vancouver. Fraser Valley could see maybe a couple of centimeters. It's more so Friday. That will be the main snow event where we could see significant accumulations. And I'm urging people to be aware that we could see that as early as your commute to work on Friday or to school on Friday. And then we could see it right into our Saturday morning. Well, how much? The exact amount and exactly where and the timing is still yet to be determined. But at this point, I think we could assume maybe up to three centimeters for Metro Vancouver and a bit more for the Fraser Valley by noon Friday. All right, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Christy. Definitely enough to cause some problems. All right, one lower mainland region is trying something unique to attract and retain quality employees who can't find affordable accommodation. As Catherine Urquhart explains, North Shore districts are getting creative to build below-market rental housing 
so employees can live where they work. At Swat Indian Kitchen in West Vancouver, Kamal Maroke does it all, pours drinks and serves, finding staff a huge challenge. Few times we have to have no staff in the restaurant. Yes, no staff. I was working myself. It's a problem across the North Shore as employees face long commutes from other regions. I've spoken to um, employers in the district, um, somebody who has 50 staff working for them, but they have 70 positions. They just can't fill those other 20 positions because people choose not to commute out to the district. West Vancouver hopes to keep people in the area by selling a piece of district land at 2195 Gordon to a developer in exchange for them building 170 rental units and 30 strata condo units. The rental units would be rented out to moderate income families at 70 percent of market rate. A solution is also being looked at in North Vancouver, where more than 700 teachers commute to work. Darwin Construction and the Slaywood Tooth Nation hoping to develop a property off Dollarton Highway. That proposal would see rental discounts of between 10 and 20 percent for locals. 20 percent of those units would be dedicated to students and teachers that uh, teach or go to school on the North Shore and 40% uh, of those units will be dedicated to North Shore employees so anybody that gets a paycheck from a business on the North Shore would get uh, discounted housing and then 20% of those units would be market rental units and then the remaining 20% would be market housing units for sale. Both proposals are going to public consultation in the coming weeks. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. What began as a missing person investigation has led to the discovery of two possible drug labs and a body found at one of them. Earlier this morning, Richmond RCMP sought the assistance of the Vancouver police in locating a missing person by checking on an apartment near Boundary and Kingsway. Well, that apartment was uninhabited, but it showed signs of possible drug production. And then around 3.30 a.m., Richmond RCMP discovered what is believed to be another drug lab at a home in the 4600 block of Princeton Avenue. A man's body was discovered inside that home. RCMP believe that description matches that of an individual reported missing on February 3rd. Police say there is no immediate threat to public safety at this time and foul play is not suspected. Vancouver police are renewing their appeal for information about the driver involved in a deadly hit and run, and they want you to take a good look at the vehicle that they are still looking for. It happened here in the early morning hours of January 18th at East 41st Avenue and Commercial Street. A 53-year-old woman and her husband were crossing the street in a marked crosswalk when she was struck. That is the vehicle they believe was being driven. She was rushed to hospital but later died. Her husband was not hurt. Now, police believe the suspect vehicle is likely a BMW SUV with obvious front-end damage, including part of a missing grill. Highway 97 in the Okanagan will remain closed for the immediate future. That road was supposed to reopen today. It's a vital link between Okanagan communities, but crews discovered another crack in the slope that caused last weekend's rock slide. Global's Kelly Hayes has more on the danger and when the highway may reopen. 
There was hope that the highway would reopen today, but all of that hope faded following word this morning that another crack has formed above the original slide. A 50-meter crack that runs north to south, we're told that it's six inches wide. Needless to say, that has caused some safety concerns, so all of the crews have been pulled from the site. And here's what the Ministry of Transportation had to say about the latest situation involving this slide. What we've had at the site is a new insignificant crack in the slope was discovered this morning. Uh, early, just after scaling crews arrived, and they unfortunately had to be pulled off the site due to safety concerns. The new development means that the highway will not be able to reopen today. The experts say the new slide opened up about 10 to 15 feet above the original one. An orange tarp left of the slide is where the crack opened up. The experts say they're not sure just how deep and long it actually is. Yeah. Clone Express, Heather speaking. And it's not just commuters being inconvenienced by the slide. The road closure is having an economic impact on many local businesses, including delivery companies. Yeah, we pair drivers by the hour. Um, so obviously it's taking substantially longer to get them there and back, um, which is, you know, killing our bottom line, unfortunately. So it's obvious the slide is now having an impact on local businesses and the general motoring public. Still being advised to use the 201 Forestry Road and that could become an issue in the next 48 hours because there's snow in the forecast. Kelly Hayes, Global News, near Summerland. Well, we are getting our first idea of what a SkyTrain extension out to Langley might look like. New renderings have been posted online detailing the extension project. TransLink estimates that extension could cost more than $2.6 billion. Originally, the plans were for a light rail project, but those were cancelled after Doug McCallum won the Surrey mayoral race on a promise to switch to a SkyTrain extension. McCallum says if it gets the go-ahead, it could be ready as early as 2025. You might be surprised how much personal information political parties are keeping about you. And the province's privacy watchdog has found they aren't doing enough to explain what they do with it. As Richard Zussman tells us, the biggest question is why? Almost any time you meet a politician, behind that smile and handshake is a volunteer collecting your information. Age, gender, ethnic background, even interests. It's all part of the way political parties conduct their business. But the province's privacy watchdog says the BC NDP, the BC Liberals and the Greens are not following all the rules. They need to do a better job about how they collect and use that information. Specifically, they need to be asking voters their consent. The BC Greens were the only party that made themselves available today for an interview. The biggest learning for all of the parties, I think, is what consent entails. And that, that means that that's a two-way communication between the individual and the organization. They say they're already making changes. The BC NDP did not provide a statement and the BC Liberals sent this statement. We will review the Commissioner's findings and recommendations in detail and determine the appropriate steps to further improve how we protect privacy and personal information, beginning with updates to our privacy policy. The way political parties use information has become big news because of controversies around Cambridge Analytica's manipulation of Facebook data to psychologically profile U.S. voters. And here in B.C., political parties will often mine Facebook without the user knowing. We would be naive to believe that the increasing technological techniques that parties can use is not something that would be tempting for them to use in the future. McAvoy acknowledges politicians will and should continue to canvass and collect data, 
but he is hoping this report will prevent issues like psychologically profiling voters from happening here. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. BC Hydro customers will have to pay off billions of dollars in operating debt that's been kicked down the road to keep rates from spiking. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us with more on the Auditor General's report on this. Keith, how would this shake down for ratepayers? Yeah, well, it, this is a, almost an annual event now, Sophie. Every year, it seems, someone blows the whistle on BC Hydro for its use of what's called deferred accounting, basically taking all sorts of expenses that might be incurred because of bad storm uh, damage, uh, building dams, repairing dams, maintaining the vast network of, of all sorts of things that Hydro runs, and it amounts to a lot of money. How much money and how many accounts? Take a look at this. First of all, they're called deferred accounts, deferred spending. There were just 10, uh, there's 29 uh, separate accounts right now. There were just 10 in 2005. So they've just ballooned in number. And so is the amount of money we're talking about. It's now sitting at $5.5 billion sitting in those accounts compared to just $182 million in 2005. At some point, this money has to be paid off, likely by the ratepayers. But as the Auditor General knows, there's a balancing act here between the taxpayers and the ratepayers to ensure that there's not a sudden uh, sticker shock when it comes to paying down the rates in a balanced way in the future. Here's Carol Bellringer. You have to look at the balance between both the ratepayer and the and the taxpayer, um, and it is government must allow the regulator to to take a look at all of the major aspects of the operation to determine whether or not anything that's gone over and above the normal expected costs is something that can be absorbed in future rates in a manageable way. So, Keith, is there any reason to think that this problem will be cleared up sooner rather than later? I don't think sooner, although the NDP government made a good start at it in its first full budget, paying down $950 million, which Bellringer gives it credit to. This, this money was built up over the B.C. Liberals' watch. Uh, the one good thing, though, Carol Bellringer will officially become B.C. Hydro's auditor, as well as being B.C.'s auditor general, on April 1st. And you can guarantee that she's going to be putting the pressure on Hydro to keep an eye on this thing and to get those numbers down much lower than $5.5 billion, which is where it sits right now. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Right now, though, how does seal or sea lion on the menu grab you? A group with ties to the fishing industry is hoping it's something that'll soon be on a lot more menus. They want the government to allow a seal and sea lion hunt with the meat going to restaurants and the pet food industry. Nadia Stewart explains why the group is pushing for it and why some might find it hard to swallow. It is an ongoing debate in this province, what to do with the sea lion population. Some say pinnipeds, the marine mammal family seals and sea lions belong to, have exploded on the coast. There's historic levels and beyond of pinnipeds. There's California sea lions that aren't usually up here, now living up here and eating all of our fish. And we need to do something. Thomas Seawood with the Pacific Balance Pinniped Society says the answer is a commercial hunt. And he says there's enough science to back up his case. It's why the society is pitching this idea to the Department of Fisheries and Oceans on Thursday. The end goal, harvesting and selling the meat to the customers eager to place orders. The market is worldwide, uh, starting right here in hometown. We've had several restaurants uh, phone us looking for supply already just in, on Granville Island. And seal meat is uh, a delicacy on a lot of the very high-end restaurants in eastern Canada. But how appealing is the prospect of pinnipeds on the menu to people here? Oh, I'm not interested in that. I'm pretty open to trying new things. I just, sounds weird. 
I mean, if you're going to harvest, you might as well utilize it. Not my thing. It's definitely for some. Not part of my diet, and I'm also trying to become vegetarian. A Fisheries and Oceans Canada estimate shows about 105,000 harbour seals on BC's coast, about 10 times the number recorded in the early 1970s. But back then, there was a cull that created an imbalance in the ecosystem. Experts say it's taken decades to get back to a balanced state, which is where we are now. So I think the notion of having a, uh, a seal hunt that's going to that's gonna save the whales, make a bunch of jobs, create economic prosperity, is a non-starter. Nadia Stewart, Global News. All right, well, while we're on the topic of food, here's an oddity. Police have opened a file on a missing giant burger. That's right. It looks just like this one, which is actually its twin and remains outside the shoe swap grill in Salmon Arm. The missing burger is about a meter tall and weighs about 50 to 60 pounds. It's actually made out of styrofoam with a wooden base. It was stolen Monday night. No word if the Hamburglar was in the neighborhood at the time. The restaurant is considering offering a reward, a burger a month for the rest of the year in exchange for getting the burger back. Breaking news for you right now out of Washington State, where there are reports of an active shooter on the campus of Central Washington University in Ellensburg. That's just southeast of Seattle. University police have tweeted that a gunman was reported in the area of one of the lecture halls around 5.30 p.m., Police are advising people to stay out of the area. No word yet if anyone has been shot, but we will keep you updated as more information becomes available. All right, after two years of record-breaking wildfire seasons here in B.C., health officials are gathering to look at the lasting impact that smoke has on our health. A lot of people know the haze exacerbates existing lung conditions, but it has also been linked to cancer and heart disease. So what, if anything, can we do about it? Linda Aylesworth has more. Wildfires are hardly new, but their increasing size and duration is. The last two years have been the last two worst wildfire seasons on record, and there's nothing to indicate that uh, our climate is going to uh, go back to what it was 30 years ago. The best thing is for everybody to go into every wildfire season expecting that it might be the worst season we've ever seen. Of particular concern here at the BC Lung Association's Air Quality Workshop is the effect all that smoke is having on our health. Experts from throughout North America have gathered here in Vancouver to discuss it. It basically freaks people out. The levels of exposure are much higher in terms of the total amount of fine particulate matter compared to even a bad sort of smog day. Wildfire smoke can cause serious complications in people with heart and lung disease. We've had about 10,000 extra physician visits for asthma and almost 43,000 extra puffers have been dispensed because of that wildfire smoke. We also need to learn more about what happens to mothers, pregnant mothers and their babies. There's increasing evidence that there might be effects on birth weight, for example. There is still much to learn. In the meantime, we best get used to it and be prepared to protect our health. Simply taking refuge inside may not be enough. It's important to understand that after about the first 24 hours of a smoke event, that smoke's going to start coming inside. You can get a portable air cleaner with a true HEPA filter in it, and that will help remove the fine particulate from your uh, indoor air. It's an investment you'll most probably get a lot of use out of. It's a new reality. I actually think things will get worse and worse and worse. Oh, my God. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. 
St. Paul's Hospital is taking drastic steps to help combat the opioid crisis. The hospital is now the first in Canada to provide overdose patients with takeaway packs of Suboxone. That's a medication that eases withdrawal symptoms. They will go home with a three-day supply after sitting down with a nurse who goes over how to use it and steps that can be taken to enter treatment. The pilot project is aimed at getting patients off the drugs and into treatment. Right now we know that uh, patients all around the province really, um, half of the people that have died uh, of an overdose has, have actually presented to the emergency department within the year before their death and this seems like a very natural place to intervene in this uh, health issue uh, to start medications that have been proven to treat opioid addiction, prevent overdoses and overdose deaths. Studies have shown nearly 8 out of 10 patients who take Suboxone engage in addiction treatment within a month. That's doubled the number of those who were given referrals alone. In the market for a new business venture, what about running Canada's only registered floating pub? The Dingy Dock Pub, located on Protection Island just off Nanaimo, has been a city icon for three decades. But now the owners are moving on. For $2.6 million, you get the pub a waterfront house, and the ferry service that takes customers to and from the mainland. And this one-of-a-kind deal is attracting interested buyers from all over North America. I think that somebody needs to be high energy, uh, really want to live the West Coast style uh, lifestyle, and uh, I don't know, just bring your, bring your energy. The pub has a real sentimental spot in the community. Um, this is where when people have family or friends come to town. This is a place where people like to, from Nanaimo like to come and, and show off. Well, if you haven't checked it out yet and you're worried you might have lost your chance, don't worry. The realtor said most of the interested buyers so far intend to keep the pub up and running. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Security cameras catching the moment an eight-story building collapsed in Turkey. At least two people are confirmed dead and several others injured. The Istanbul apartment building had 43 people living there at the time of the collapse. It's not clear how many might still be trapped in the rubble. Several rescue and medic teams have been sent in to comb through the debris. Officials say at least the three top floors were built illegally. An investigation has been launched. In San Francisco today, a gas line explosion sent people running for their lives. The explosion set fire to five buildings, leaving thousands without power. The fire first broke out at a construction site where crews were doing fiber optic work. It's believed they hit a gas line. It took utility crews more than two hours to shut off the gas flow, making it very difficult for firefighters to tackle the massive fire. Eight workers were initially reported missing, but they were located safely. Luckily, no one else was injured. 
Developing news in Venezuela, a country plunging deeper into crisis with two men calling themselves president. Tonight, the one that Canada and the United States does not support, accused of cutting off critical humanitarian aid. Tonight, a border showdown. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's military using trailers to block desperately needed food and supplies from the United States. Maduro blasting Yankee imperialism, saying the U.S. wants to humiliate Venezuela by sending aid. But in this Catholic soup kitchen, people tell us to turn away food is a sin. Do you understand why they won't let it come in? Neither. She has no idea why they won't let it in. Many blaming Maduro's government for an economy in shambles. 1.7 million percent inflation, making everything unaffordable. To understand hyperinflation, two months ago, this was worth 100 U.S. dollars in Venezuelan currency. And this is what that same $100 looks like today. The Zuniga family showing us their almost empty refrigerator. Meat is almost impossible to buy, she says. A town in Australia was blanketed in sand today from a severe dust storm. Drone footage captures the wall of sand blanketing the area. Dust storms are common in parts of Australia's outback, but they don't hit populated areas very often. Australia has been experiencing record-breaking warm temperatures, making it ideal conditions for the storms to form. A Florida woman is crediting her two dogs for saving her life. The woman was suffering a stroke when she told Sadie and Bella, Mommy needs help. The loyal Labradors rushed off a security camera capturing their heroic efforts. There were no other people in Maureen Hatcher's Florida house last December when she suffered a stroke. I just went face first into the floor. But her two labs, Bella and Sadie, were right there. I remember Sadie coming in and I said, I need, mommy needs help. And then they were gone. Gone. As the doorbell camera shows in scrambling to find help, it didn't take long for a neighbor to show up and call 911. Realizing what was wrong, paramedics took Maureen directly to a stroke center. When a stroke happens, time is everything. Doctors performed a special procedure preventing permanent brain damage. I'm blessed. Very blessed. Maureen likes to think angels were watching, not the ones with wings. Mama loves you. But the ones with four legs and boundless loyalty. Joe Fryer, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, we first shared Bailey's story in the fall as part of Variety Week here on Global BC. Bailey had recently been diagnosed with Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, an inherited progressive form of muscular dystrophy. It's a disease Bailey's mom, Dana, knows all too well. I got diagnosed with the same thing um, about a year ago, and so my doctor said that it's hereditary, and so I wanted to have my kids tested as well, and so Bailey was tested and, and it came out that she's definitely got it. In some ways, I was relieved that we found it so early, and in other ways, I was really sad. Thanks to donations to Variety, the children's so charity, Bailey just... was able to get her first pair of orthotics, which have helped improve her balance and strengthened her legs. Bailey is also able to see a physiotherapist twice a month to help keep her as active as possible, something crucial for someone diagnosed with CMT. If someone didn't have access to 
physiotherapy or bracing, it's quite likely that they would end up in a wheelchair. She's very fortunate that Variety has been able to step in and help her be able to keep up with her peers. It means everything so she can still play and run with her friends and do things. And yeah, it's important for her to just be able to be a kid. Oh, Bailey's a fighter and so is her mom. You can meet Bailey and her whole family and see the difference Variety has made in her life when you tune in to the Show of Hearts on Sunday, February 10th. We'll be broadcasting live from 9.30 to 5.30 at the Theater at the Hard Rock Vancouver, all to help raise money to support Variety, the children's charity. The Sea to Sky Gondola in Squamish has become a hugely popular attraction for both locals and tourists alike. Now a new structure is being proposed as part of their next phase of growth. Aaron MacArthur has more on the tree walk. It looks pretty impressive. And why tourism operators across the board are investing millions in new infrastructure. The views are stunning. And people from all over the world come to Squamish to experience it. Now the Sea to Sky Gondola is expanding. A multi-million dollar elevated boardwalk and tower offering 360 degree views of Howe Sound in Squamish. This project is that ambition come to life. You know, we know that core to who we are is accessibility, allowing people to come into this beautiful place and connect to it and experience it in a way that's uh, pretty unique in the province. The Sea to Sky Corridor in the midst of a building boom in terms of tourist infrastructure. The Britannia Mine Museum dropping four and a half million dollars on an upgrade and a new immersive show set to launch this spring. We need to increase our visitation. We're a not-for-profit. We want to put things back into the museum, but we really care about what the visitor experience is. So um, it does have to pay its way from a satisfaction of a visitor, but also just helps the museum operate. Across the province, tourism operators have dug deep for capital improvement. Ski resorts from Whistler to Silver Star and Sun Peaks all spending on new lifts. $100 million in the ski industry this winter alone, and more set for 2020. Demand driving operators to upgrade. And when you see that demand, you want to respond to it as quickly as possible. You have an opportunity to generate more revenue, to increase your business, and certainly to provide a higher level of service. At Sea to Sky, construction on the first of its kind tower expected to begin shortly after all the final approvals are granted from First Nations and regional governments. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Definitely some good views up there. No doubt. Well, you've seen it done with coffee. How about beer? Yes, the new drinkable artwork, where it's being done and why, right after Christie's forecast. Pretty cool. All right, uh, meteorologist Christy Gordon back with us because uh, mm-hmm. we are looking at the S word in a couple of days from now. That's exactly right. And prolonged cold, that's for sure. You guys, these were our daytime highs today at three degrees, and this could be the warmest that we'll see in a couple of weeks. Yes, prolonged cold. So how could we be talking about prolonged cold when the World Meteorological Organization just confirmed today that 2018 was the fourth warmest year on record? Uh, Well, that is the difference between climate and weather, everyone. Climate looking at long periods of time, averages, whereas weather is a shorter period of time. And when we look at the climate, 
Our Earth is warming. In fact, the past four years were the warmest on record. Scientists all around the world now agreeing that we have had some peaks in temperatures over the past decades, but the change that we're seeing right now is unprecedented, and is, there is a direct correlation to the greenhouse gases that are being uh, measured in the atmosphere. So, with climate change occurring and the Earth's uh, warming, what are the effects on weather? Well, what we're seeing already, uh, and we will continue to see over time, periods of prolonged and extreme cold. An example, the polar vortex we just experienced in through the eastern sections. Prolonged drought and extreme heat affecting crops and increasing the potential of forest fires. And we will also see periods of major flooding and more severe storms. These are just a few examples of what we are already seen and what will continue to be common over the next several years. Now back to our weather here with the potential for snow. Yes, we'll see a few flurries later tomorrow and more cloud, but again, it's not tomorrow that is the main snow event. It's more so on Friday with snowfall potentially affecting your commute to work. You want to tune back in and we'll refine how much and which areas we're concerned about. Those areas across the north, snowfall mainly in the morning and then it drops to the south. So these areas, snowfall later in the day. Not a ton, two to four centimeters and for the south coast, just a few flurries or showers along the island. It's Friday and Saturday that we're concerned about for snow with major accumulations possible, especially out in the Fraser Valley. And we have one exception for today. Happy anniversary to Doreen and Irv uh, Wilderman. I hope that you're both having a fantastic evening. And I'll leave you with a beautiful shot of the ice on the Fraser River. Thank you to Nicole for that. The sky is blue. That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Christy. Well, step aside, latte art. Japanese brewing giant Suntory revealing their latest venture today. Patrons can take pictures with a special app to print photos or pictures onto their beer foam. 500 stores will be installing the device nationwide. The movement comes as an increasing number of young adults are apparently drinking less beer. Suntory hopes the drinkable artwork will help bring in more customers. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I hope it doesn't change the taste. I don't think so. Because they do it with a uh, lot of foam. Remember they used to do the leaves and things? Yeah, for latte, but that's this is printing something it's on the foam. It's on it? printing oh. something it's on there. I drink the beer or the wine. Weird. All right, time for Squire. Okay, I'll go. Uh, the Canucks road trip ends in Chicago tomorrow night. We might see defenseman Guillaume Brisbois play. He was recalled from Utica yesterday when Alex Edler suffered a concussion on Monday night. The Canucks will go into that game still holding the final wild card spot despite two straight losses because... Teams like Colorado, Anaheim, and Edmonton are stumbling around, continuing to lose. But there are two teams who are getting very big in the Canucks' rearview mirror. And one of them is Chicago. So tomorrow's game becomes that much more crucial for the Canucks. Chicago's only three points back of Vancouver. The Hawks have won five straight. But just to show you how mediocre the West is, Chicago's in a playoff race despite having two eight-game losing streaks already this season. Last night, they beat the Tragic Oilers 6-2. St. Louis is even closer to the Canucks. They're one point back with three games in hand on Vancouver, but the Blues have a tough schedule coming up. Tomorrow, they play Tampa, then it's back-to-back with Nashville. 
In the early days of the Vancouver Canucks in the 70s, one of their best players was Andre Boudria, who died today at the age of 75. He led the Canucks in scoring in four of their first five years. He was only 5'8", but his nickname was Super Pest because his tenacity drove bigger players in the NHL crazy, back when crazy players often did things quite rough, things you wouldn't see in today's game. But Boudreau survived and thrived. His real skill was passing, which meant every Vancouver Canuck that played with him really wanted to be one of his wingers. Bob Cole honored by the Maple Leafs tonight as they're taking on the Ottawa Senators. Been a good game, actually. 1-1, second period, Matt Duchesne shoots and scores. That makes it 2-1. And it's 2-2, and then the soon-to-be $11 million man, it won't start until next year, the new contract, Austin Matthews. The puck just keeps following him and following him, and then he scores. So that makes it 3-2. Senators are 3-on-1. Will they score? Will they even get a shot? Nope, they won't. Puck goes the other way. Leafs now 3-on-1. Marner, Tavares, that's nice. But Ottawa has rallied. It's now 4-4 in the third period. When you ride a snow bike in the X Games, or anywhere for that matter, and you're good enough to do big jumps and acrobatics, a couple of things you really need, a good helmet and also good suspension. And if you want that, then Abbotsford is where you should be going because there's a man that can make your landings a lot softer. And just charging through this field. How do you go faster than you are now? Maybe you're a 10th place rider in pro nationals. How do you get to first? Train harder? Yeah. Proper nutrition? Yes. All of that stuff. How do you develop your bike to go faster? That's the hard part. That's where I come in. So they put a lot of trust in me. Yes. Here comes the checkered flag, and Cody Matichuk is going to make it goal two years in a row. Rod Matichuk's been wrenching for his son Cody, as well as the rest of the world's top snow bike racers for a few years now. Based out of Abbotsford, he owns and operates RMR Suspensions. Simply put, Rod's a suspension guru. And once again, his handiwork was golden at the recently concluded X Games. We got five medals this year. Uh, we had 10 people involved this year. And we come home with two golds, two silvers, and a bronze this year. And uh, so that's pretty cool. Coming in for his first of two attempts. Snowbike freestyle or snowbike cross? Rod knows the setup, and there's more fine tuning going on here than meets the eye. It has to be able to take off the ramp without going through a ramp, if that makes any sense. So when the bike is too soft, it literally will go through the ramp, gets all his momentum forward and no momentum up. So when they need to do a trick in the air, they need time in the air in order to pull the trick off. So they need distance, so the bike has to be able to carry a distance, and they need height. When it's not right, they, they lose both of them, and it's too hard for them to make it happen that way. It's like punching a feather pillow or punching a hard foam pillow. That's pretty much it. How much do you love what you do? Oh, every day. <laughs> every day I get to wake up and uh, have the best job in the world.
Here's your snow report for tonight. Not a lot of new snow, but plenty of sunshine across the province. Boy, is it cold, though. Whistler Blackcomb at minus 14 at the top. Even Sasquatch at minus 14 with the strong outflow winds through that region. Revelstoke minus 16 and Manning Park at minus 22. Big White also at minus 22 and Silver Star at minus 25 today. Kicking Horse minus 19 and Powder King minus 21. We are going to see this cold weather last for the next several days, but there is snow on the way in the next 24 hours. Raise your hand if you think you'll be working until you're 99. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. yeah. Raise your hand if you think you'll still be alive at 99. <laughs> well, I unlikely. So. Uh, anyway, here is somebody who has done both. Worked until, well, almost the age of 99 and is 99 and is looking great and everybody loves him at the Vancouver Academy of Music, but sadly, he is leaving. Today is a happy day and also a sad day. It's happy because it's Tony Pravite's 99th birthday. The sad part is after 33 years of selling candy to students, parents and teachers, at the Vancouver Academy of Music, Tony has decided to retire. But I think the time has come now to stop trying to look after myself and live with family. At least I get a decent meal. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. Have a good retirement. You're welcome. But Tony really is a, <clears throat> a jewel among us. Yeah, very, very gentle man. A real Englishman. I think he, he loves to hear it. Tony came to Canada from London, England in 1968. During the 80s, he found a job selling candies and books at the Academy. And he very quickly became as much a part of the atmosphere as the music that fills its hallways. How do you feel um, on your birthday now that you're 99? I feel exactly the same as I did when I was 98. <laughs> Tony is a pillar um, of VAM, and he will be missed. Like, kids have called this place Tony's Place. Like, not just Tony's Candy Counter, but people have called the Vancouver Academy of Music Tony's Place. And when asked the inevitable question about how one lives a long and happy life... Just don't worry about things. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Just take things as they come. But the days that come without Tony in his familiar spot won't be easy for those who've known him for so many years. Yeah, that will be sad. Yeah. I'm gonna miss him. He has an impact. Yeah, we love Tony. Tony's so great. Wow. Oh, there you go. So sweet. Very yeah. cool. Good luck, Tony. Mm -hmm. And he says he'll come back and visit as much as he can. I bet he will. That's great. Simple can wisdom, too. Can never really retire, even if you're 99. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Final word on the weather. Sure. So we will see more cloud tomorrow, and we are expecting flurries, especially later in the day. But uh, maybe a couple centimeters out in the Fraser Valley. It's more so Friday that we're watching for snow. Tune back in. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we are expecting snow Friday. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs>